Hey, Craig, uh, what are two or three things you think through that you wish your youth group had done differently or what what was lacking? What What is something that my youth group was lacking? Is that what you said? Yeah, I'm wondering, what is it that, based upon what you heard today, you wished instead that they had done? What is your... Mm. What is your critique or Yeah, so I think like there was just this I uh, I didn't have this language obviously as a young person but I was really like hungry just to be seen for me. Um and like you know I felt like there were like the popular kids in youth group and I was not not popular. I was in this like I was in like the rowdy obnoxious tier like we were loud and we were just you know having fun. And the popular kids got the attention of the youth leaders and like, oh, they had nicknames and they cared about and like me and my other friends it was like no one cares about us, so we're gonna go find our own thing to do. And then I felt like I felt like when we got attention, it was like, Oh, like, hey, do you like do you like I remember one time we were leaving the youth group and I had in my this is how lame I am. I'm dating myself and this is lame. Uh, we were listening to DMX in my car and I remember like a youth leader stopped the car and rolled had me roll down the window. And I remember, like, as I rolled down the window, like, a curse word came out, like, really loud. And we just got screamed at. And so, like, there was, like, a moment of, like, oh, wow, like, so-and-so wants to talk to us. That's cool. And then they just yelled at us. And so I think, like, there was this, like, it fueled my, like, screw this kind of attitude. And hiding as a result. Oh, totally hiding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I think, yeah, I had, like, a quiet rebellion. But that just means, like, I still went to youth group. I was, like, you know, doing what I wanted to. But I was, I was still showing up every Wednesday night. I think one of Did. the challenges with, uh, with youth is, is what Craig is describing is I can be welcoming and maybe a couple of adults can be welcoming, but how do we get our whole like seniors, juniors, sophomores to be really welcoming to anybody is what mm. I'm trying to say is, you know, Craig, you might have had a great experience if an adult came up to you, but... It might have been even more popular or powerful. Let's say, you know, one of the seniors comes up and said, hey, man, I'm really glad you're here tonight. You want to come on over here and sit by me tonight and mm. just have that connection. And, you know, I think that's very powerful small group or, or youth group that can be welcoming to all kinds of people. Yeah, like I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say like if something like that had happened, that could have changed the trajectory of how I related to people. Yeah. Because I always felt I've I had always felt like oh I got it I'm in this on my own I got it like so the seniors aren't here to help me and then even like you know that just kind of continued into adulthood where I realized this as an adult it was like hard for me to ask for help because I never got help and I always just felt like I was on my own and. You know, one of the things we've all talked about is like our experiences are formative, and um, that was a way those experiences did for me. And, and I wasn't, you know, thinking about that, you know, even as I was being deformed. But I think another thing that I'm I'm learning is about social and emotional learning, and how can youth appropriately talk about their emotions. You know, like you were just saying, you wanted to do it by yourself, but yet you didn't have anybody, you know, that maybe you trusted to talk about. 
how do you I still feel so weird talking about my emotions like I hate asking people hey how do you how did that make you feel because I can just hear in the back of my head like oh how do you feel what's your dad issues you know I hear that you know it is like it's a real thing of like it's a challenge of how do we just talk about what's going on inside yeah I think that's natural for all of us to to do you have that like too, Marshall? Like of like Rod the was saying, hiddenness, hiddenness mm. is is very popular. So it's so yeah, and I think in church it's super easy to be hidden because you just need to know the tribal lingo. You need to like, which I'm I'm just one of the things I'm trying to do with my life is I just don't think anybody thinks like this, but it's like the glory of God is a meaningless phrase. Um, you know, and you know, we're doing everything for the glory of God. What does that mean? That means nothing. And we, if we learn to speak the lingo, we actually, it's just, you're just hiding. Hmm. One of the things I got to watch Marshall do was to create, whether it was intentional or just his following Jesus and maybe a combination of both is that they had this sort of connection between there was the youth group that happened, and then there was the a group of those became the small group leaders who were leading the next generation leaders, and then a group of those were helping him put on his retreats and camping experiences and backpacking, and then they were relating all together, that group of leaders and key volunteers. I mean youth volunteers. I'm not saying it well. I mean teenage volunteers were then leading elementary school kids and so now they were responsible through the solid rock camps and the sports programs and the daycare programs and so they had this beautiful thing where he was doing leadership development and teaching the kids how to be hospitable and relating in the process so he never they never created youth ministry in a vacuum mm. it was always deeply integrated and um, into the into the kids' ministry as well as back into the ministry to adults. It was a really great synergistic experience. Marshall, how do you do that? How do you do that? Like, so I'm thinking about like there's a kid I'm thinking of where this person is a reader, and I, as an adult, I'm like, oh my gosh, you you read, you are going to take over the world. But when you're like 14 years old and you read, it's like you know, nerd alert. There's that age is just naturally really clicky and super shame based. Like, oh, you like homework? Oh my gosh. How, how do you, does doing something like that, does that just work to break down those barriers? Or how do you like, ah, man, I don't even know what I'm asking, but how do you what, like, what did you do on? with one what of What did you do? Kids. There you go. What did you yeah. do to address that? Well, I, I'll, t- I think Rod and I've had this conversation, but I, I do think I kind of lucked into that cycle. And um, it was just, I guess, a natural way God was developing me. But what I would say was we had this one camp, and it was called Extreme Days. And it was mainly for our fifth graders coming into sixth grade, coming into middle school. And so we wanted to create this experience that was a wow factor that they just loved this and then got connected to our youth ministry. So our seniors 
were the ones, or our juniors and seniors were the ones that led that camp. They wanted to do that, and they wanted to create this great experience for upcoming middle schoolers, junior hires. And so... But what, what I hear you saying is it wasn't built through content, it was built through play. To a certain extent, yes, but we also had content in it as well. Okay, and okay, so, gotcha. And so, like, you know, some of them were in charge of the devotions, some were in charge of the music, some were in charge of the activities we went and did. Um, and so, you know, there were different aspects to what they were in charge of. And so those middle schoolers then like, wow, I want to do that when I'm older. I want to be the one that gets to do that. And so they would start talking to me when they were ninth and 10th graders. And they're like, hey, do you think I can be a leader yet? Can I, can I do that now? Oh, wow. And, and so they would mm-hmm. just come up to me and it's like, man, I want to be a part of that. And I even had some kids kind of transition away to a different youth ministry in town and they always came back they always said hey can we come back and help with that can we can we be a part of that because that's you know that's what we like doing and, and so they found such yeah they found such purpose yeah as a result have right. you marshall have you heard about that book the author's name is like really redundant it's something like rick rick richardson or rich richardson um but it's like, it's You Found Me. Have you heard of that? I have not. No. So he talks about, so millennials, like so my generation, they leave church largely because of like experiences that I described. And probably the only reason I didn't leave church was because I was such a Pharisee. Like I was like, well, I got to have some semblance of church in my life. Um, and then God rescued me from being a Baptist. Uh, but... Um, he talks about like millennials like leave church and come they just naturally come back. So they have these like kind of crummy experiences. They don't feel they feel like they're the, the there's a big bad world out there. We're going to keep you away from it. They go out, they experience it and then they just kind of naturally come back. Has that been your experience cuz you've, you know, you've had a lot of youth groups who have they're adults now. Have did they go away for a little bit and come back? Yes, I mean as many as, like Rod described, as many have stayed with it and stayed connected with me, I've had as many walk away for a while and have come back. Some of them are still struggling with it, and I still communicate with them, and I'm still walking with them in their 30s. They're in their 30s now, and they're still struggling with events that have happened, and um, it's challenged them but they still, for some reason, talk to me about it. And so well, not for, it's... Yeah, um, not for some reason, but it's because they felt seen and heard and loved and et cetera, et cetera, just like I did with Bob. I think, I think Marshall really represents, like my youth pastor, Bob Choate, they represent the ways in which youth culture needs to... Youth, church youth culture needs to seriously ask the question, what are the ways in which the stereotypical perfect youth pastor has actually undermined the longevity of youth? What's the stereotypical perfect youth pastor? Tell me about that. Well, you go off to Bible college, you 
get the youth degree, you go find your first job, and in that you sort of analyze the youth culture, and then you create you know, programs around it. Or on the other hand, you just simply punt all that and you say, you know, we're just going to sit around and converse or talk so you can reject that idea as well. So it's this, I, I think following the youth, the youth oriented group, etc. I'm not saying we don't learn from them, but I think, I think this idea of, like you said, the stepping stones of youth pastor, then associate pastor, and then senior pastor, etc., has actually exacerbated the very problem that we've seen. It's the understated youth volunteer who has a heart for kids, who's willing to be themselves, uh, who you know sees it a purpose in life, etc. Whether they get paid or not, it's what they're going to be about, and then to create other volunteers around it. So I guess I'm just saying that the program is subservient to the relationships in the way that the podcast just described. I think is. As opposed to, we got to find that youth pastor who's the cowbell. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like it's obnoxious too. Like I remember one time I was at a, um, a like a prayer meeting with pastors, and I'm not trying to knock this guy. I to- this is actually, I guess I am. I'm just judging this guy. I don't know him. I- Let's just assume I'm in the wrong, and his heart is totally in the right. But he came in with like a, a t-shirt of the Flash symbol. And then he had like Spider-Man pants and then he had this belt with like the Green Lantern logo all over it and and then some goofy hat. And he came in late and he comes and this is a this is a grown man and he comes and he sits down and someone goes, oh, this is Chris, whatever his name is. This is our youth pastor. And it's just like, uh huh. And it was like it was like a Tuesday morning. It was like not uh, he was just dressed like that. Probably that's what he likes. He's into, and I'm totally judging. But I, what I'm, what I'm curious about is like I think there's actually this pressure to be ridiculous. And one of actually a really cool moment I had was um, I was at the Crystal Cathedral. Do you know what that is? Of course. I've been right, so maybe anybody doesn't know what it is. it's a it's Several a times. Robert Schuler uh, power. What is it? Power of positive. Um, Hour of power. The hour yeah, of power, thinking. yeah, that's what positive um, thinking. I used to call my morning jogs the hour of power. Beautiful campus, though, huh? Actually, oh, it's an eyesore. You like it? <laughs> it's a wonderful garden experience. Yes, the garden is pretty. Yeah, yeah, the garden is yeah. pretty. And obviously, there'd be like theological differences we'd have with with um, Schuler. But when I was there, I w- I remember. Uh, so we went there to hear Mark Driscoll preach, and we were the only people under. 30 like for miles around and they i think they were still putting on tv and there was nobody there were like it was like a huge room and there were maybe like 20 people in it and they just the cameras kept circling us so anyway we go to a like a a bible study a sunday school after and the old people are like oh young people what do we ask them about young people and they were like hey how do we reach the youth how do we reach the youth and it's a great question i'm not knocking that and my friend ronnie said take us seriously and I think that that's like, that's what the Spider-Man pants to me triggers is like, um, hey, if you like you like Star Wars, well, I got a Star Wars lunchbox, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like like what Ro- like what Marshall was saying earlier was like, is that authentic to who you are? So if it's authentic to who that guy is, all power to him. That's isn't great. That a, isn't that a great uh, sort of byline for missionary thinking? Take mm. us seriously. <laughs> 
Yeah. In other words, if you want if you want to be taken seriously, then take us seriously. I think that's that's a great uh, youth. That should be on a youth T-shirt. X Y Z Church, logo. take us seriously. That's very cool. I like it. Marshall, a question about golf. So I'm needing between the five and the seven o'clock hour. I'm finding myself needing something to do, and I'm not eating, cooking right now uh, during that hour to get back to my pre-Christmas size, pre-Thanksgiving size. And so as a result of that, I'm trying to look for a hobby. And so somebody told me to try darts, uh, somebody, and so I'm thinking, what if I went out for a little golf? So what do I need to know about golf? Um, golf is the absolute best sport ever, it, uh, especially when you walk. So it's a great walk. Um, like you were saying, if you wanted to be, be outside to walk, it's very, very challenging. It's not an easy game, even if you start playing it seriously for a while. Uh, it's really it's a challenge all the time. You get, I mean, the equipment's really cool. Um, everything about golf is really cool. It's all right. Yeah, it's a well, Craig. It, will you go? No, I'm not going with you. You're on <laughs> your You're own, okay. huh? You're on your own, man. You don't want to try golf. I don't if know. Marshall, I, what if Marshall took us? Have you ever played golf? Have you ever been out on a golf course? I have been on a golf course. Yeah, yeah. Um, if Marshall goes, I would think about going. I don't know. It's just. Have you ever listened to Malcolm Gladwell's thing about golf? What does he say? Well, he talks about how it's like a big, like land waste of land. So in like these urban centers, it's like, oh, we could have a park here that everyone could use. Rather, though, there's like this golf course that only the wealthy can use. Yeah, there are um, a lot of people that think it's elitist sport, and so forth. But yeah, that's what I'm. I, like, I'm not saying you guys are elitist for playing. I'm just saying I would feel like an elitist for playing. Yeah, I've never that's been a like, country club guy. I've always been a public golfer, and um, you know I'm more of a common golf guy. But I've played it since I was five. My dad started taking me out, and so um, it's really where I get a lot of enjoyment now. So well, I mean, yeah, that's but that's how like Bob Hope. So Bob Hope like painted himself as like a common man uh, who just liked golf, and I think he was like at one point he was like the the largest landowner in California. Uh, and he was like, I'm just the everyday guy out here playing golf. And he like like basically changed the laws in California so they couldn't tear down these golf courses and put parks. Um, so you're onto something there by playing the everyday man card with um, me. I appreciate that. And, and I'll play the old man card. So I'm looking for something that's uh, safe at my age. So I'm just considering it. Haven't uh, made any commitments, but I may give you a holler and uh, uh, take you up on your offer to take me out. Absolutely. I'd be glad to. I want to go. I want to go hiking with you. That's oh, we can, that's like socially distant. That's right? totally what I want you to do. Yeah, you need to go to the Grand Canyon, hike oh, down no, and I back think, up. I think you want to start at uh, Hokey Pokey Ranch first, and then no, we're definitely doing that. We're doing yeah, that. and then we'll go maybe to Rocky Mountain National Park, maybe Breckenridge, uh, go up and uh, hike. Vitavu. Yes. Vita Boo. Vita Boo. Would be good. I gotta get. I gotta get hiking boots, man. Woo! Yeah, you can. You can go in tennis shoes at these places. 